What I love about God is that he sets us up for victory. Hey? So all these words, what God's doing in everyone here today who've bought words, he's setting us up, but it's for victory. He's not tripping us up. So a while back I said to Gary, I think I could have a preach in this David series. Then he kind of, he didn't say anything much, and then he, um, he, on Sunday, last week, he says to me, so you ready to preach on Sunday? I was like, what? <laughs> no. <clears throat> it wasn't because I didn't want to preach, and it wasn't because I don't like preaching. I actually love preaching. It was because of what God was putting on my heart and the journey that he's taking me on, and I felt like I wasn't ready so kind of like sometimes when, you, when you've got something to bring, you can kind of, it's so much easier to go, oh God, you've got stuff for life house. I know the people that you need to touch. I know what you need to do in people's lives. We all do this. Especially do this. Mom, Dylan did this. But then they neglect to tell the part that they played in it. And that what we do is we often look to God, and we go, God, you did this, and wah, wah, and we whine, and we blame shift, and all that. God, Gary's covered a lot of that. But this journey that he's taking me on has become very personal and very real in an incredibly deeper level than I've ever had before, and it's been the most uncomfortable journey, so I do warn you. Okay, so that's my pre-warning. Sorry, guys. That, that image that Ian bought of a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other is very true for today. So I'm going to be hammering a fence out of you through Jesus. And then God's going to come and cut some stuff out of you that he needs to cut. Why? I can say this because he's done it in me. Okay. So I'm not standing here today going, you must, you should, God's I'm on this journey. This is preaches more about me and to me than it is for you. You take away what you want with this. <clears throat> it's kind of like, you know, when you, you think about having children, and it's a wonderful idea, don't you think? Before kids. Children are amazing. You look at how cute they are. And oh my goodness, and yes, the parents look a little bit frazzled, but you don't quite get it. You're like, oh, gee, children are amazing. And then you suddenly fall pregnant, and then you're like, I'm not sure whether I want to be on this train anymore. I'm kind of out of control. Well, this is the kind of the journey I feel like God's taken me on. It's like, the thing is, though, the difference between having children is you have no clue, really. You have no clue. And it's good. It's good that you have no clue. The thing about this journey is God is giving me a very crystal clear, um, I'm trying to think of the words, picture and insight as to what he's asking me to do. Why? Because God totally, totally respects my choice. And he's given me free will. So, so now I'm on this journey, you know me, I love Holy Spirit, I love being in the throne room of God, and I just want this every day. I want him every day. You know, when you, 
if you've got kids and they come up to you, Dylan does this to me often. He goes, I want you, mommy. I'm like, I don't know how much more I can give you. I'm saying this to God. God, I want you. And God's got, I've got so much more to give you. So as you all know, I love reading books a little bit. And I was unpacking Gary's study because we moved it. He's got millions of books. Most of, I can't say you've read them all. Hey, love. <laughs> so the one book caught my eye. It was a book on the Holy Spirit by Tozer. If any of you have read Tozer, have heard of Tozer, I love his stuff. You, you could read his stuff now and apply it now. It, it was written when? Early 1900s. And you're like, oh my word, this could be now. He talks about stuff that we engaging, we battling with, we seeing now. <clears throat> so I see this book, I'm like, oh, cool. So he starts out the book asking some questions. Oh, oh. <laughs> Gary told me to put little thingies on, and I have done that on my notes, and I've forgotten that they're there. Okay. All right. Oh, when to change the slide thingy? Okay, so he asks these questions. <laughs> so I'm like, I can do this. So first question is, be sure that you can be filled by the Holy Spirit. So this is almost like a theological thing. Like, is your understanding of what God is, are you sure that he, you can be filled? So I'm like, yeah, I've been down this road. I'm far down the road. I know. I can do this. So second question, be sure that you desire to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Oh, come on. I'm there. That's my desire. That's what I'm longing for. And I kind of got the feeling later on in the book that he set me up by these questions. Okay, so my desire is there. I want to be filled. I'm sure that I can be filled. Then he says this. Every believer who is as filled with the Holy Spirit as we want to be. Every believer is as full with the Holy Spirit as you want to be. I was like, what? Nah, really? Okay, that was one hammer that hit me. Poof. So he continues to say, and this is where I was like, oh, okay, this is me. That we want the thrill of being filled by the Holy Spirit but we do not necessarily want to meet the conditions of what the Holy Spirit requires of us for us to be his dwelling place. So what we do as believers is we start to settle for something less. So Gary has an, an old car. We all know Gary's old car. He loves it, actually. <laughs> But one of the reasons why we haven't upgraded Gary's car to a new car is because of the cost. We don't want to pay the cost. This car's paid off. We don't want to pay the cost of having a new, newer, fancier, nicer car. So we settled, sorry, babe, for the Toyota Corolla, where the, <laughs> the roof, the carpeting on the roof is starting to come down. I think Gary's taken a stapler and like... Back up. And this is what we do in the spirit. We've settled for something less. Why? Because we're not necessarily sure or desire, really want to pay for the cost of what it means 
for the Holy Spirit to dwell, to live. I'm not talking about him touching us. I'm talking about him living, dwelling. I am his dwelling place. <clears throat> so I was kind of like bummed about that because I'm like, oh, God, you tr- that's right. I want him, but I fear. I fear of what he's going to ask for me. Grant said that in the prayer meeting is, Often we want this because we fear. Why do we fear? It's because we don't know him. We don't know his goodness. Gary was talking about his, letting his goodness pass over us. We haven't experienced it. Otherwise, we would be, I don't care what the cost is. So now this is a David series, and I'm bringing David in because I love David. I love the Psalms. <coughs> so this is, David is a very special man. When he was anointed, it says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. I remember this is an Old Testament. Nobody ever had that. David had the Holy Spirit in him, what I believe indwelling in him, from the day he was anointed. I want to know why. It wasn't supposed to be in that time. The Holy Spirit only came after Jesus had sent him, after Jesus had gone up into heaven. But somehow, David was a man who was able to take something that didn't apply to the age and pull it in for himself. Okay, so when we talk about David, we often talk about Saul. Because there's quite a comparison between the two. We know that Saul, Shane, poor guy. You know, the thing that surprised me when I was reading through this, and I'm not going to give you too much detail. I want you to go and read for yourselves. I want you guys to start this journey. I want you to go and search the scriptures and see and notice these little things. We, Unfortunately, when we read these kind of Bible stories, David and Goliath and the Noah's Ark, we have our Sunday school mindsets that we lose some of the actual detail, the truth of what God's wanting to say. So I'm not going to give you much. I want to whet your appetite. I want you guys to go home, and I want you to thirst that longing. I want you to just go and see if you can find more for yourselves, because this is my revelation. And may my revelation stimulate your own revelation. Don't walk on my revelation. I look at the Psalms and I read the Psalms. If you got the Passion Translation, get the Psalms one. It's beautiful. And it gives us a language for how David and God had their relationship, how, how they saw each other. And that to me is the first difference. Saul and David, God, David knew God. He trusted God. He loved God. Saul knew of him. And he didn't go any further than that. It says David is a man whose heart is after God. He sought him. He pursued God out of everything. It was the thing that he wanted was God. He was a man who was obsessed with God. What's interesting is that Saul actually did have the Holy Spirit. He had quite a few moments, actually, where the Holy Spirit touched him. So if you read... 
you'll go and read this because you guys are so love reading the Word of God and you're going to go and do this for yourself. You'll see all the little instances that God uses Saul. And he starts through Saul a renewal of Israel. But then we get to this story. God gives Saul final instructions almost in terms of a way he wants Saul to obey him. This is the Amalekites. Now, this isn't a test where to go, okay, I'm going to test you to see how much you don't know. And this isn't a test to say, I'm going to test you so that you fail. This is a test that God wants to know because he wants to go into a deeper level of, re of relationship with Saul. How much do you trust my voice? And how much do you trust my voice of judgment? So God says to, to Saul, now you must go and strike the Amalekites. And you, devote, you are devoted to the destruction of the Amalekites. It's those specific words. And destruction of all that they have. Do not spare them. There's no other thing. It just says do not spare them. But kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. It's pretty clear. Like... Why the women and children and infants? That's the mommy heart. And I was like, surely, come on. But God's like, do not spare a single person. Sure. And God just said to me, when he asks us to devote ourselves to destruction, it's to the destruction of our self. We need to devote ourselves to the destruction of myself, that self, my flesh. And I need to devote myself so that there's not one thing standing. Not a thought, not an infant of a thought that is left, that is any part of myself that is left. <clears throat> How devoted am I to the relationship of God that I would Get rid of that hindrance. So Saul's response is this. He thought he was quite clever, actually. But Saul and the people spared Agag, which is the king, and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fattened calves, and the lambs, and all that was good. It does say that they deemed good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised, on the other hand, and worthless, they devoted to destruction. Sounds like that's interesting. So they stood in judgment of what was good and what was evil. Does this sound a little bit like the Garden of Eden? What was good to Eve's eyes? What was good to our eyes? And they kept the, what they deemed was good. And a result of this, and Saul's quite funny. I was reading this, and you listen. So he wakes up early the next morning. He's quite chuffed with himself. He eagerly goes out to meet Samuel. Now, what he doesn't know is God has already spoken to Samuel about his disobedience, right? So he eagerly runs out to Samuel, and he tells him, dude, we did it all. We killed everything that was bad, and blah, blah, blah. And he, he does neglect to tell him about the king and the the fattened calves and the lambs and all that. He kind of leaves that part out. 
Samuel goes, well, what is the bleating that I hear in the background? Saul's like, whoa! Backstep. Okay, it was the people, and he does a whole lot of blame shifting and whatever, and Gary's gone into that. But the point that God made with me on this was that he made a judgment call about what the judgment of God should look like in his life and in Israel's life. So he decided... And the people decided that it was better to keep the spoils for sacrifice because that sounds all religious and good. And what God said to me is, Louise, when you do that, when you trust your voice of judgment in your life, you keep the spoils for, for yourself. You see, we can't trust our own voice, our thoughts or our ideas when it comes to the destruction of our flesh. Self does need to die. Because it cannot look at God and it cannot please God. Because of what self is rooted in. So we have to put our full trust in God so that he will do it. And we have to obey him every single little thing that he says. So now God says to Samuel that night before that he actually regrets making Saul the king. I'm like, yo, that's a bit harsh. You know me, I'm quite curious. I like rabbit trails. So this little rabbit trail takes you to Noah, Genesis 6, where God says he regrets making mankind, and then he gets Noah to build the ark. So I'm like, why does this story, like why does it link up? Let's go have a look. So my part of the story, which I see, is we're talking about Noah, a raven, and a dove. Okay, so everybody knows Noah's Ark, right? Most of us. Either you've learned it through Sunday school or through your kids. And um, I have this picture in my head of this really cute little um, nursery picture, of the, like a cartoon picture of Noah's Ark, and they're floating on the sea, and the animals are sticking out their heads, and there's two giraffes and some monkeys. But the sea is all lovely and pretty, huh? Does everybody know what I'm talking about, huh? Okay, let's think about this for a while. Toza helped me with this because he brought this through. <clears throat> okay, so the world is flooded. Why? Because of judgment. There's wickedness there. God has regretted making mankind, and it's because they have turned their way from him. It's because they look at... <laughs> There's a new, wow. Wickedness always leads to death. And it's the death of our relationship with God. Our death. It kind of reminded me of Romans. When God says he gave them over to their own desires. I kind of get, this is what God did with Noah. He gave them over to their own desires. They literally drowned in their own wickedness. So the waters were waters of judgment. Oh, Louise, you shouldn't talk about judgment. No, no, I am. Because we cannot walk away from this without understanding. So, now the ark was very specific. Here's a man. I mean, he must have been crazy. But why was he crazy? He was obsessed with God. Noah must have loved God. He must have been pretty obsessed with God to do what God asked him. Remember, they had never had rain I mean, nobody knew what a boat was or an ark. What the heck? 
So in order for him to have followed every single detail down to the nail and the length and the breadth and whatever, he must have been obsessed with God. Now the ark's windows were placed where they looked heavenward. They weren't any portholes on the side. So he couldn't actually see what was going on around at the sea. Um, now this is where I want you to think about this. Let's just hammer away that image of the Sunday school that we've projected about Noah's ark. Every living thing that had breath except for what was in the ark had died. Every living thing. That meant that there were carcasses, rotten carcasses floating around. The sea was putrid. It was smelly, it was disgusting, and it was basically unsafe. And God said to me, Louise, that is what yourself is. It's putrid, it's rotten. It's offensive. No wonder Noah had a, a window to the top. God knew that if he looked out, he probably would never want to leave. And it's a picture of what our flesh gives birth to, flesh, sin. So in Hebrews 3, verse 12, it says, So search your hearts every day, my brothers and sisters, and make sure that none of you has any evil or unbelief hiding within you, for it will lead you astray. <laughs> 